Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to TMZ Movie Crashers. Welcome back to TMZ's Movie Crashers. I'm your host, Fabian Garcia from TMZ. I'm your host, Paige Catton from 2Fab. And there was lots of movie news this week. We're kind of back to normal in terms of how busy it was, which is how we like it. Yeah. Uh, we'll, cl- mm-hmm. we'll quickly go through what we're not going to talk about this week. We're not going to talk about Peter Dinklage being cast in the prequel to The Hunger Games. That movie, it's the, what's it called? Uh, you, know, you know better than I do, Paige. What's that? Of, yeah, The Ballad of Sno- Songbirds and Snakes. There we go. Peter Dinklage is going to be cast in that. That movie's unfolding. Uh, apparently, Sony wants credit for the movie theater boom that Top Gun is being credited for as far as like, you know, bringing people back to the box office and kind of reclaiming theaters again amid the pandemic. Sony says Venom 2 is vastly responsible for that. And uh, they they have a point about Spider-Man, Spider-Man No Way Home, um, you know, being responsible for that. Venom 2, outrageous. We're no. not we're not going to we're not going <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Um, Halloween ends. The trailer for that just came out. Jamie Lee Curtis out here trying to kill Michael Myers once and for all. Spoiler alert. It's not going to happen. He's going to live at the end. I'll just tell you that right now because that that IP is too rich. It's too much of a moneymaker. Michael's going to live and he's going to continue starring in other movies. That's there you go on that. John Boyega and the late Michael K. Williams are starring in this new movie called Breaking, the trailer for which just dropped. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you saw that. It's very John. It's very John Q-esque. I don't know if you've ever seen John Q. Great film with Denzel Washington from the early 2000s. John Boyega is basically doing his best Denzel, kind of taking, holding up a bank. Uh, He's got a cause that he wants to broadcast. Very similar to what John Q did in the movie, holding up a hospital. Also very similar to what Al Pacino did in Dog's Day Afternoon. A lot of echoes from both of those movies. That looks really good. Um, what else? What, what else are we not going to talk about? Did Paige? you see um, that Variety revealed um, salaries for a lot of the movie stars? They do that with movie and TV stars every year. I, um, I, I yeah, did not. It's wild. I don't like really like know the exactly like what's considered like good or bad, but it's always interesting to see the comparison. So um, Tom Cruise is estimated to get a hundred million dollar salary for Top Gun Maverick because he wow. has obviously in his contract to get like the um, box office sales and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, you know, Leo's getting 35 million for Killers of the Flower Moon, the Martin Sorsese film. Um, okay. Joaquin's going to get 20 million for Joker 2, Timothy wow. Chalamet, 9 million for Wonka. But some of them are like, it's kind of on, it's lower than you would expect. Like, mm. forgot what Jamie Lee Curtis's was for Halloween Ends, but that was on the lower side. Or like, um, like um, Ryan Gosling and um, Margot Robbie, uh, twelve point five million for Barbie. I, was I saw. Kind of I, expecting something a little higher, but again, again, I don't know if like for that film, if that's considered high. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's unclear what the budget is for that movie. Um, exactly. You know what I mean? But it's interesting that Margot and Ryan are being paid the same. That's kind of a step forward in the equal pay yeah. discussion. But yeah, I, that's that's actually kind of interesting figures right there. Of course, I figured Tom Cruise would be the highest money maker. 
Um, but yeah, there you go. Now we know what's our, our favorite celebrities make for each movie. Good for them. I always think it's, I think it's a little interesting, but yeah, it was, it's cool. Uh, we're going to start here officially with the big motion picture. And this is all about this Zack Snyder article that came out through Rolling Stone a couple days ago. It's insane. It's insane. The headline so extensive. It's, it's very huge. extensive. It's such a deep dive of a read, very lengthy article. I recommend going yeah. and reading, reading it yourself. But essentially, the headline is this. They claim, based on reports that they obtained that Warner Media commissioned to look into this phenomenon, they claim that bots, that fake accounts, that spam, that spam accounts were by and large responsible for the quote-unquote restore the Snyderverse campaign or the quote-unquote release the Snyder Cut campaign. Both of those, I think the release the Snyder Cut came first, obviously, and then afterward it was- That's mainly what it's about. It's it's mostly about release the Snyder Cut. And this was all kind of happening in like 2018, 2019, kind of bubbling to the surface. At first, it kind of seemed like an organic thing from fans- But according to Rolling Stone, in this report that they're citing, they say that upwards of 13% of those of of the the accounts that made the hashtag release the Snyder Cut trend were, in fact, bots. And I know that doesn't sound very high. 13% sounds relatively low in the grand scheme of things, and maybe it is. uh, But they say that that is a lot higher than what the usual numbers are, which are much lower, like two, three, four, maybe 5% on the high end. For any given for Twitter, when it comes for, to Twitter, for Twitter, yeah. for any given trending topic, yeah, experts say that bots are usually um, responsible for like two, three, four, maybe five percent of why that topic is trending. In this matter, they're saying that re- you know, release the Snyder Cut, thirteen percent of bots were responsible for that, which is crazy. So they're basically making it seem like it was an inorganic thing that it was mostly fueled by these fake accounts, and that the, the movement, if you will, is not. Essentially, they're saying it wasn't really real. And there's so much more that the article gets into. They talk about the fact that's that like the big that's like the big takeaway. Yeah, that's the, the that's, that's the big takeaway. Yeah. But there's other things they touch on, which we'll quickly go through, which is like stuff like Zack Snyder apparently holding the studio over a barrel, strong arming them over more money to, to shoot and to, to reshoots. For his cut, Whoa, of, manipulated of, them, right? And of course, manipulated them. Allegedly manipulated them. Of course, we're talking yeah. about Justice League. As you guys know, Zack Snyder was first. He was directing that movie at first. He had a tragedy in his family. His daughter died. They ended up replacing him with director Joss Whedon, who did a completely different Alleged version. Joss Whedon, right? He he did a completely <laughs> different version, and uh, he made it a lot less dark than what Snyder was apparently going for at first. Um, and then they released they released that movie, Joss Whedon's version. It bombed. And apparently Zack Snyder, there was unfinished business with that movie that he wanted to get to. And the article really makes it seem that they make it seem like uh, Zack Snyder is this insidious character, a bit of a monster of a guy who he'll do whatever it takes to get his way. And that he really manipulated things, allegedly, according to this report, to really get his way with the movie. And and apparently they're also saying that even when the movie came out on HBO Max, that even then it really didn't even perform all that well. So all this time and extra money and all the resources that Warner Brothers gave Zack Snyder at the time to do his cut, like the, the four hour movie or whatever it was, it, it didn't even really pay off. So here's the thing. 
Um, actually, what are your thoughts on, on it, Paige? Because I'll, I'll get into my take real quick. I want to hear your thoughts on this first. I've been talking a lot. Okay, so first off, I should note that it's kind of wild that yesterday, um, Tuesday, the um, the Snyder Cut just came out on digital. Yes. So, which is kind of wild because it came out on HBO Max in March 2021. So the fact that it's just now coming on digital, I thought that was kind of odd. And I just wanted to note that. Right. And I thought that timing was also kind of weird that they had that article come out around the same time. You, I don't you know. Are, you are not the only you are not, there. You, you're not the only one who has that observation. But yes, that's a good point. Yeah, so uh, I was like, Justice okay. League, Justice League, the Snyder Cut just got released to digital. This article came out literally a day or two before yeah. that. So there you Which go. It's crazy. So I have, I have honestly, at first I was like, when I first read it, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like to think that there could possibly been all this, you know, cause if they're, first of all, their fandom for people that don't know the Snyder army is absolutely nuts to this day. I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like every other week I go on Twitter and hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Zack Snyder is still trending. Yes. Regularly. And yep. they're known for being a little, you know, toxic, quote unquote, but they are passionate, passionate fans. There's no denying that they are. And just so people right. don't know, like, it's like one of the most insane fandoms. I would equate it to like the BTS army, to be honest. They're like up there. Right. Um, so when I first read this report, I was thinking, wow, like that's crazy to think that like bots were involved because I don't really know a lot about bot things like the technological side, side of Twitter and things like that. But then when I saw 13%, I feel like I feel like ultimately when I did more reflecting on it, I feel like Rolling Stone kind of were overreaching and saying that like mm. the bots were this huge driving factor. And then right. you know the uh, Rolling Stone wrote, quote, they helped shake down a major studio. You know, ultimately Warner Brothers made the decision like they weren't like yes they were pushed and um, I believe was it Jason Keelar was he the one that ultimately he was one of them it was Keelar like, he was doing he was, it he was the top yeah. dog yes so it wasn't like you know they were like forced but thirteen percent like is it's not even a quarter okay so like that's not that means that at least like around eighty five percent were real fans they're acting like it's like an overwhelming majority when it's the majority who were real fans if this data is true that they're claiming so i think that it's just too small of a percentage to make a big big deal out of it i right. mean i feel like in this day and age i feel like bots and like fake accounts is something that's gonna happen all the time and again we don't know how much numbers like like what the exact number of what 13 percent equal to when it comes to like actual accounts right but if i can imagine when it comes to the snyder what we know about the snyder fandom it was a lot a lot a lot of fans right. so 85 like, percent of right, fans, like like hundreds of thousands if not millions right ex exactly so it's yeah. like they're saying like this small percentage i'm like that's nothing in my opinion mm. um and you know ultimately they made the fan the the they helped the film get made and i don't know in my opinion i feel like warner brothers was already struggling and i think that especially after <laughs> that they made the crappy film with Josh Whe Josh Whedon, which I can't even like remember. I remember I just hate. I thought it was one of the worst films I'd ever seen. To be honest, yeah. I almost walked out. I almost fell asleep, which is hard. For, like all I remember is that I never watched it again. <laughs> like this is horrible. I'm like, why am I watching this? You know, right? Um, but I feel like it made them look better. If you don't, if you don't, 
if a person that doesn't know about all the stuff that happened in the background, I feel like it made Warner Brothers look better. Like, hey, let's give the, let's show this director. Let's give let this director show his full cut. This director who had to step away from this family tragedy, who ha- who was forced to do that with, you know, people that don't know about how they didn't the Warner Brothers didn't like allegedly didn't like his darker tone and things like that. You know, letting him show his cut, I feel like put them in a better light. Yes, they they had to give him some money to shoot some things. Yes, he allegedly stole some things from the Warner Brothers studio, et cetera, et cetera. But I honestly think they're overreacting here. And I don't think it it I think it was ultimately a positive for Warner Brothers. And I think them coming back and throwing all this negativity, which they already have been doing this entire time, just makes them look worse. They already lost Zack Snyder. And now they like there are probably already the DC universe is a mess. So I think that they and apparently one thing I want last thing one before I forget, Henry Cavill is is there's reports that he's going to go to Comic Con and try to talk up Superman. Wow, I did not know that. So, okay, there's my whole spiel. I'm sorry I went on and on, but like I don't know. I think Warner <laughs> Brothers is being dramatic. All right, so I'm going to keep my my comments brief. I'll just say sorry. that I I honestly 100 percent back everything you just said you just said i think both rolling stone and warner themselves are reaching here i i consider this it's it's obviously a hit piece right it's it's there's no other way to put there's no other way to put it it's a hit piece here's warner trying to rehash what i would consider ancient history because all the all the restore the snyder verse all the release the snyder cut stuff that's like two three maybe four years old at this point and the movie's out, the movie, you know, regardless of how it performed or didn't perform, it's done. It's over with. Zack Snyder's already moved on. He's over at Netflix doing his thing. Yeah. And and frankly, I, I also say this, people, regardless of how it performed for, for Warner Brothers, that's that's separate. As far as the actual content of the movie itself and how good oh, it yeah, was, was people loved yeah. it. I liked it a lot. People <laughs> it loved so it. It was so much better. It, it was, was like so a much, night and day was, to the other film. It was. And <laughs> look, like I kind of tweeted about this uh, a couple of nights ago when I was first reading about it. And I, I basically said this, and I'll kind of recap my tweet here. I feel like two things can be true at once in this case, that yes, perhaps there were some bots that were involved in getting the the Snyder yeah. Cut thing trending or the hashtag going or whatever. And perhaps it was a little inorganic, whatever. But back to your point, I feel like it was mostly driven by real fans. And mm-hmm. for, for Rolling Stone to kind of downplay that, make it seem like it was this really artificial thing, I mean, yes, there may in fact have been some bots. There may in fact have been a lot of bots, thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of bots. But they're outweighed, I would argue, grossly by the actual real fans of which there are millions. And and people wanted to see Zack Snyder's cut. In fact, I saw a, a joke after this article came out, a lot of, as you can imagine, a lot of Zack Snyder fans came out in defense of him. And I, I saw some people say they resurfaced Ben Affleck's tweet, which was hashtag release the Snyder cut, which was like two, three years Stop. ago. That's hilarious. And someone said, oh my God, look at this bot right here. His name is Ben Affleck. It was so funny. So that's kind of, that's kind they of- brought the receipts. They don't play. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I do think that Rolling Stone is is reaching i do think that for whatever reason warner brothers is still very sour about how it all went down and yeah is it possible that Zack snyder implemented less than kosher methods to get what he wanted yes it's quite possible but in the grand scheme of things i i, I consider it a relatively minor sin to to achieve what i would call a really good movie a good imprint in his legacy and what i and to your point it, it did make Warner Brothers look good because they gave in to what the fans wanted. And more often yeah. than not, that's what fans want. They want to be 
They want to see that they are being heard. And in this instance, Warner did that and it was a good move on their part. Yeah. And look, I got to be honest. I, I think they screwed the pooch big picture by letting Zack Snyder get away. Oh, I think I just, they, they, you, I, as you said, the DCEU is in such shambles right now. They don't know what they're doing. Now they're, now they're with discovery. Discovery wants to revamp the whole thing all over again. It's a, it's a mess compared to Marvel, which lately it's been a little bit of a mess there too with phase four. But up until then Marvel was pristine. They had their shit together. So that's kind of my lasting sentiment on this, that I really think it was a hit piece. Um, as I was reading and re- reading some of the things, apparently he like was in cahoots with Ray Fisher with his allegations against Holzer. There's all this stuff. I mean, and like, I mean, I just, Joss Wheaton did, it did Ray Fisher dirty. Let's just, well, at, yeah, yeah. I mean, like just from the film, not talking about the background stuff, but just watching his version of the film, like cyborg was a much better character in Zack Snyder's justice league, like ab- a thousand absolute- times. I'm like, Whoa, I love this character. I ab- didn't like him in the Joss Wheaton version. <laughs> absolutely. So it's weird to me that Rolling Stone essentially decided to let's just put out Warner media's story. Let's just put out their side of things. Obviously that's how, that's obviously how they got access to that report, which is yeah. a report that Warner commissioned. It's a private thing. They, you know, they want, they've essentially snuggled up next to Warner and said, we'll tell your story. Let's make Zack Snyder look like a piece of crap. And like, yeah, maybe he's done some less than savory things, like I say, but again, and it's, 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 it's ancient history and it's not even, I think they failed in trying to kind of smear him a little bit here and it's kind of backfiring. That's and, my, that's my thought on that. And I know before we end the segment, I have to say, did you, I don't know if you um, noticed this, but Zack Snyder they obviously reached out to him and he commented on so many things like I, that is not true. I deny this. Da, da, da. And then even at one point, I think he said something like, if this is showing two sides of the story fair, fairly as it's supposed to, mm. he said something like that. And it's like, well, obviously it's not. But the fact that they put that in there is kind of it makes them Rolling Stone even look worse. It's like, obviously it was a one sided story. It was. It was. Yeah. And uh, I think we can end that there. Um, yeah. definitely, definitely a fascinating, uh, so little, uh, a fascinating story. We are going to move on though, to the Hollywood hoedown. And, uh, for this, Oh, yep. There we go. Sorry. Yeah, I almost forgot. <laughs> Got to do it <laughs> Got for this one. This one, this story is almost just as captivating and juicy and drama filled as the Zack Snyder one. Frankly, we could have we could have flip flopped if we wanted as yeah. far as which one is the leading story today. But for the Hollywood hoedown, we are going to talk about Sylvester Stallone taking some some big swings mm-hmm. at one of the original producers of the Rocky <laughs> franchise, who apparently I didn't even realize this, but who apparently owns I don't know if it's all of the rights or some of the rights. I imagine it's some of the rights, like a like a, a fraction or a share of the rights to the Rocky franchise. Sylvester Stallone apparently owns none of it. He owns no rights to, to Rocky, which, as we know, that's his baby. That's like his pride and joy. That's a movie that he wrote, that he directed, that he starred in. There was Oscars going around all all that year in 1976. Him, uh, best picture, you know, all this stuff, right? Best screenplay, I believe. And as it, and you know, the, there have been several sequels, all of which that Sly has directed <laughs> and, and, and written Creed yeah. and it's gone on. And it's just such a, a lasting legacy of a IP. And it's so inherently tied to Sylvester Stallone. I was shocked to hear that Sylvester owns none of it. And not only that, he is very angry about the fact that he, he owns none of it. And he made that crystal clear over the weekend. He, he posted a couple of Instagram posts, very public lengthy captions taking shots at a guy named Erwin Winkler who is an older gentleman he's in his 90s now 
but who is one of the producers, one of the two original producers who helped make the original Rocky. And, and produced well, all his produced all of them too. I, I believe so. I think I think Erwin yeah. Winkler has his name his name and by the way his son's name and other other sons of his the other people in the Winkler family have gotten involved in producing Rocky mm-hmm. films over the years. And Sylvester's very angry about it, so he posted yeah. something taking naming Erwin Winkler and taking huge shots. Let's actually throw. Let's look at that post itself, and we can quickly read from it. Um, so there you go. So here's here's the Instagram post. This Erwin uh, uh, Winkler's son, I don't know if it's his eldest or whatever, but David Winkler, who's also gotten involved in producing the Rocky movies, kind of, t- you know, kind of filling his father's shoes a little bit yeah. there. Uh, he put out a book. It's like a memoir or something. And Sylvester Stallone really went after it. He said, you know, I love reading and I've, I've read thousands of books, but this book, you know, David Winkler's book here, his memoir is by far one of the worst ones I've ever read. You might as well use it as toilet paper. Um, and then he goes on to call out his father who, who he, who's he, that's who he really has the beef with Erwin mm-hmm. Winkler. And, um, you know, you can kind of read the caption for yourself there. We should say that Sly has since deleted these Instagram posts, uh, but they're out there. The internet captured it and it lists forever. But he basically says, yeah, like I don't own a lick of Rocky and I should, and I want, and there's another, there's an, another one, even more scathing Instagram post. Let's actually throw out that one real quick too. That one was even more harsh. This is this is a a, a photo or a painting or something, some, some sort of art, some kind yeah, of art of showing showing Erwin Winkler depicted as a snake with a blade coming out of his mouth as like the tongue. And if you read the caption there, he's basically saying, you know, like yeah, like I I deserve the rights back. Like I think that would be the gentlemanly a gentlemanly gesture at ninety three. I mean, like again, you can read the full caption there for yourself. I, I recommend it. But like essentially. Sylvester Stallone very publicly demanding the rights, not the rights back. It's, it's not, back is not the right term. He never had them. Sylvester Stallone yeah. never had them from the get go. And he basically said, if you go back, there were old interviews uh, from a few years ago that Sylvester mentioned. He mentioned this issue because this has been an issue apparently for ongoing for years and years. And he's chirped about uh, chirped up about it here and there over the years. But a couple of years ago, he said, yeah, when it comes to the, the Rocky rights, I was essentially told early on. Because he, he did complain about it like years ago. And I think Irwin or somebody apparently said to him, hey, you got paid. What are you complaining about? And yeah. and here's the thing. He did get paid. From what I read, he received something like, uh, how much money did he get for that movie? It was like he received like, it's like, it was like, it was like, it was less than a hundred grand. I know that for a fact. It was like, yeah, it was like $75,000 or something or whatever to act in the movie. That was like his acting, his acting fee, like 75, 75K. And then he received 10 percentage points of the net profits, I believe. And the movie went on to like gross, like, I don't know, $250 million worldwide or something like that. And he ended up getting like, I don't know. He got and like for two- that time. It's even in- more insane. Yes. That was and that it, they made that much money. Yeah, exactly. And he ended up receiving like, I think, two and a half million dollars or something to that effect from that movie. So he did, in fact, get paid. And look, I mean, like I kind of talked to uh, Derek about this, Derek Hoffman, who is our in-house lawyer at TMZ. He is probably one of the biggest Rocky fans I know. He's got memorabilia literally lining his whole office. Of course he does. I'm not surprised. (laughs) So I I asked Derek about this, what he made of it. And of course, Derek, a lawyer, a well-trained lawyer, he knows all about legalese. He said, on the one hand, he feels like, uh, like, yes, if as, as a fan of Rocky, as a fan of Sly, the fan base, they see this issue and they feel like, yeah, like 
Sylvester is entitled to some rights to Rocky. That, that, that almost goes without saying, because again, it's so ingrained into who he is as a celebrity, as a movie star, all of that, um, that you would figure, yeah, like what's right is right. And what's right in this case is that Sylvester gets some, uh, some, some, some uh, ownership stake or something into the Rocky franchise that Erwin Winkler should do right by Sylvester, even at all these years later, and give him a, a piece of the pie, essentially. But then he also said, but on the legal front, everything is kosher. Everything was done on the up and up. And hey, you, you made your decision all those years ago. You can you can chalk that up to ignorance, being new in Hollywood, not wanting to ruffle That's feathers. That's kind of what he said. That is. Variety. But, it, it but is. then again, like, could you not? Because again, I don't. When Eric said, "Is can they change it later, or just because it was the first film, and then for all the franchise, like he can't ever change his ownership because it, after the when they designed the but when he signed up for the first film, he didn't. He was just like, oh, I'm not going to push on this, you know. I think it's not I, I, later. I obviously don't know what kind of a contract was written or yeah. what what sort of language is in there, but I imagine if this is true that Henry that Erwin Winkler, pretty much, oh, and others and other parties, perhaps." own all of the rights to the Rocky franchise and the Rocky intellectual property. I imagine that the original contract, which is probably, which has probably been amended a little bit over time, but I imagine the, the crux of it says that this film, that any, any like characters and, and or stories and or movies that we make from this concept, this concept of Rocky in perpetuity, almost like, cause you hear, you see that term a lot in legalese, like, Oh, in perpetuity, it usually means, and, and forever, essentially is saying is it kind of gives them like a, a, a an, inf an infinite net to, to sort of cash in on the Rocky. So the, the original contract probably had something to that effect saying like, yeah, we're, we're, we're obviously talking about this one movie we're making right now. But if sequels come out of it or if spinoffs come off of it, we also own the rights to that. That's what I imagine is in that original contract. And it sounds like Sylvester was not cut in. Um, and look, and again, getting back to Derek's point, he's basically saying like, yeah, man, like. You signed your rights away. It is what it is. And it's kind of to the point of like, what are you complaining about? There are a lot of people that feel that way. There are a lot of people that were actually angry that Sylvester Stallone decided to air his grievances. So publicly, people thought it was childish. People thought Do it was. You think that's why he deleted the posts. I think it is. I mean, because, you know, like, so look, Sylvester Stallone, I love I love Sylvester Stallone. He is a, you know, shoot from the hip kind of guy. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He speaks his mind. And this is obviously him speaking his mind. I don't know why he took it down, whether it was his own team telling him, hey, this is a bad look, whether it was Erwin Winkler's team reaching out and maybe threatening some legal action or something like that. Who really knows? But I did see a reaction online saying like a lot of people were like kind of like cringing at this. Like, yo, like, what are you talking about? Like, it is what it is. That's the business. For me, I feel two ways about it. I'm kind of on Derek's side. Like, yeah, it is what it is. But I, I tend to lean more so uh, toward. Um, yeah, like Sylvester Stallone, even all these years later. Somebody should make this right. And I, that's kind of how I, how I feel about it. Somebody should make this right. It sounds like Sylvester thinks that Irwin is one of those people who can do that. And yeah, it would be a great gesture. It would be such a nice thing to kind of bury the hatchet, cut Sylvester in for a little bit of the profits or a little bit of the ownership. Because as he said in his Instagram posts, he wants to pass down some Iraqi to his kids, not just like yeah. in, the, in the DVDs. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to hand them his DVD collection. You know, he wants to hand them some ownership stake. And and, and the thing is, too, like Derek made this point as well, which I also see, which is like, look, like Sylvester Stallone is a mega, mega, mega star now. And Rocky has gone on to become so lucrative that it's it's like, yeah, like you can't really you can't turn around all these years later 
when it's at the height of its like profitability and its popularity to then demand mm. to then to then demand some ownership and then try to think that because you're you're the super famous star now that you can like use that as leverage and that you can bully people into getting what you want. And Derek kind of said like, look, I don't know exactly what the conversation was back then or why Sylvester decided or opted to just kind of sort of hand off the rights. Cause you got to imagine it came up in conversation as they were getting that film together, which by the way, that in and of itself is a story that, you know, they, they had to like mortgage their homes. Like they went damn near broke all everybody involved trying to make that original Rocky movie. Um, so you got to imagine that there was a, a, at a certain point, maybe it was on the table for Sylvester. And I don't know if he, if he passed on it on his own volition or if they kind of like sort of gave him a deal and said, Hey, this is what it is. If you want to do this, we get all the ownership. You can act direct and have it all yourself creatively. Yeah. I really don't know what those discussions were like, but I got to imagine that if Sylvester wanted to fight for the ownership rights from the get go, he could have, he probably could have, you know what I mean? In that's kind of what I feel like. It's, it's such a tough situation. And you can tell this is such a personal issue for Sylvester. He says, this this breaks you know, my heart. It's so painful. It's so painful. Yeah. And I, I I get that. But it's it's almost kind of like a, it's like a tough love kind of situation. Like, yeah, dude, like, and, and ideally you would have a cut of the Rocky ownership. But in reality, especially at this point in time, you don't. And that's just something you got to kind of live with. You got to live with your decisions. Sorry, that's a very long-winded rants on how I feel all about that. What, what do you got? What do you got, Paige? What do you think? I mean, um, I agree with you. And I have to say, um, I'm not going to have too much to add on this because I have to I have to admit, I didn't know, like, obviously, no Sylvester Stallone is. I know we've seen Rocky, all that stuff, but I haven't seen all of them. But I, like, I was shocked to not, when I first read this, I was just, I just always assumed that he had the rights. Yeah. So when he, when I, obviously, I guess he said this in the past, I was I never read about that, never heard about that, but I was shocked. I was like, he created the story. He started it. He directed most of them. He's, he started all of them except for, he's not going to be in Creed three, I believe, but right. it's like, I was like, just doesn't add up. Like when you think on the surface, like, why would he not be the owner of that right? And then right. you kind of go deeper and they said, oh, I was naive. I didn't really understand. I regret not pushing harder. But then kind of what you said, Derek pointed out that it's this, it's so many years later and the films have gone on to make so much money. Yep. It's interesting that like, you know, in more recent years, he's spoken out about this. So, I mean, I hope that if he's not getting his ownership since obviously he doesn't have ownership rights i hope that he still gets throughout again we don't know what his contract is but i'm hoping that he still gets a large part of you know um when he stars in it he gets a lot of money for that producing right. credit screen credit you know story you know, they always say i'm like imdb story created by kind of thing you know i hope right. he's still getting a lot of money for that if he's not having these ownership rights so he has let's say for argument's sake he doesn't get the ownership rights back and then he I just hope he'll still have a lot to to pass down to his children from the Rocky Rocky franchise. But the fact that you know, we live in this era of reboots and revivals and stuff, you know, this this franchise has been continuing with, with Creed and yeah. you know, after Creed 3 it'll probably keep going, like let's yeah. be real. And I feel like as time goes on, Sylvester Stallone's probably going to get more and more and more upset by this just watching his like life's work essentially and he doesn't have the rights to it. And I just, I don't know. I don't know if things change when like, when Irwin 
like when he dies, like does it go to his son? It does. Like, I feel like yeah, does it go to it his does. son? It's just yeah. even more. It just it just doesn't. It's just it's so heartbreaking to yeah. think that just because that one he didn't because he was young, naive, and was new to Hollywood and didn't think to to fight when he signed that first contract that it would come down to this decades later and it's just it's just it just it just breaks my heart honestly it's sad it's, it's very sad and it's also just a, rep, a repetition of the same cautionary tale you hear about all the time with new artists young artists whether they're mm-hmm. actors or musicians yeah. they sign these deals great, great and look i mean yeah. it's it's unfortunate because we should acknowledge that there's a there's a power imbalance like the the new totally. artist the, the new artist who is talented and whatever they're usually dealing with a mega corporation or like hot mm-hmm. shots and big hollywood players who have a lot of leverage over them. So it's not, it's not a like, easy, don't you want this? Come on. You're going to give you this, this, right. and this. It's and then not, you're probably it's, like, Oh, I guess I don't need them. Yeah. I know it's easy to look back in hindsight on this and say, well, Sylvester should have just kept onto the rights. Like what, what was wrong? What was he thinking? But look, man, like he was a young, a young yeah. kid back then. He was a young actor, starving, struggling actor. So he probably didn't feel like he had a, a lot of leverage. I and mean, in reality, he probably didn't actually have a lot of leverage or a lot mm-hmm. of pool to maybe get what he wanted, even if he did want the rights at the time. So, it's an unfortunate situation. I'm hoping they can work it out. In the meantime, as uh, as Sylvester says, keep punching. I love that quote. And one of his keep punching. It's just it's so it's so classic Rocky. Anyway, I hope he keeps fighting, and I don't think and I don't think he'll stop. So I hope he keep, continues fighting until they can get some sort of agreement. Yeah, we'll see. move on to our final segment what'd you see what'd you think and we have got to talk about the gray man this is yes this is netflix's new very high budget action action like spy not even spy, spy. thriller kind of spy, spy thriller, yeah, yeah it's like spy thriller Ish. it is um and you know it's it's had it's had, got a very small window in theaters it, it got released in theaters i believe late last week like thursday or friday and it's only going to be in theaters for a very limited time. I believe it's actually getting pulled out of theaters this week because it's releasing on Netflix mm-hmm. later this week. It's releasing either Thursday or Friday. Yeah, I wanted to see this in theaters, so I went on like a what did I on a Sunday night or a Monday night or something like that. I went to go watch it. I should I should say I went to a very late showing. It was like ten thirty. There was not there was like a, two other people in the room, and it was a big theater. Okay, mm-hmm. and I saw it. I should say. It was phenomenal. It was such a fun ride. Ryan Gosling as the lead, as as a, essentially like a CIA operative. What do you know about the Sierra program? Reckless mystery man you guys send in when you can't officially send anyone else. The gray man. Lloyd. I got an urgent locate and destroy. That could be fun. The man's got some street cred. Yeah, so you got Ryan Gosling as the lead, a CIA operative, essentially. He's a hired gun. He's a badass. He goes rogue, doesn't complete a mission. Turns out that the CIA is super corrupt. Go figure. And then he's in possession of like some really damaging information that alludes to that. And then they go on the hunt for him. They hire Chris Evans, who's the bad guy in this movie, who plays, I should say, Chris Evans did such a great job in the villain role. I was so, so I was so impressed and, and entertained. It was funny. It was witty. It was action packed. The budget for this movie 
is reported to be upwards of like $200 million, which I think is one of the highest budgets that Netflix has ever done for any movie or any project of theirs ever. Well, movie, I should say, because they probably spent maybe in the same ballpark for a TV show. But let's just talk about movies. The Gray Man is one of the highest financed movies. And the Russo brothers, I got to say, they knocked it out of the park. There's, it's It was nonstop action, scene after scene. It goes from airplane blow up, Ryan Gosling skydiving down. All of a sudden, the train scene, the train scene in when they're Prague. in oh, Prague. Yes. And and then finally, toward the end, um, you got the one on one fight with Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling. That was badass. And honestly, like they were it, it, whoever cast this movie did such a good job because these guys are like, you know, they're like studs of Hollywood. Right. And in the, in the whole time, you're like, oh, man, like who? As you're watching the movie and you're kind of seeing them go back and forth, trying to kind of outfox each other toward the end, you know, it's good. They're going to fight like on like a hand to hand combat. That's what I assume, because I it, you didn't want them to go out in a gunfight. The whole movie is like a gunfight throughout. But at the end, because mm -hmm. these are like highly trained combat, like this is like Jason okay, Bourne down. Yeah. Put the guns down. Yeah. You wanted to see who was more yeah. macho, who was the better fighter, who was more skilled, because each of them are very skilled and they show off their skills throughout the movie. I don't want to ruin it. You have to find out for yourself who wins in the end. Spoiler alert, Ryan Gosling wins. Sorry. Um, but I, I, I mean, loved it. I, I loved always, it. And I have one yeah. other thought, but I want to get your, your thought on the movie first, and then we'll talk about the bigger picture of Netflix and theaters and stuff afterward. But what, what'd you think, Paige? So I agree. I, I thought it was so much fun. I very much enjoyed it. I also, I went to a Monday morning, I'm off on Mondays, a Monday morning screening, and there was like, 10 people in there i think i yeah. was like one of two women it was all like old men right. <laughs> and i was like well you know some people are going to see it on a monday early you know afternoon right um but i will say like i was so hyped when they first announced this movie and they announced the cast you know ryan gosling chris evans reggae jean page who played um the cia corrupted cia guy right. he's from bridgerton by the way right he's a stud super fine so i was like and then you got anna de armas yeah oh my god who was a freaking badass in this movie she and was she stole every freaking scene that she was in i love she her did. so what even they just had the cast i was like i'm hyped i'm in this could be the worst right. movie ever and i'm already gonna have some fun watching it totally and then i got a little nervous when the reviews came in because they were like 50 60 percent i'm like yeah what the hell i'm like Yes, it wasn't the best action film I've ever seen, but it was even better than I what I was expecting. Like it was, totally. you know, the the scale was so the scale was like the big thing for me. The scale was so large; it literally felt. I mean, obviously, it was big bad budget, and I know we're going to talk about you know TV versus seeing it in theaters, but this felt like a full on action theater. The God. <laughs> Look at the word I'm looking for. Theatrical experience. It was. Um, I would have wanted to see it in like IMAX. Like it was yes. my I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. It was nonstop. Yep. I loved the story. I loved kind of like the one thing that I was a little surprised about and what I was one thing that I wasn't expecting was it had a lot of heart. You know, you got the whole thing with Billy Bob Thor uh, Thornton and, and yep. Julia Butters as as his niece. That you had that, is, that heart in there. That's that such made a, it. It's such a good point. The, there's a lot of humor and a lot of heart, and it has to do with like this this Billy Bob Thornton's uh, niece who gets abducted. Yeah. Ryan Gosling pretty much throughout the whole movie is trying to get that girl back, and she's being held mm -hmm. hostage by Chris Evans. So much heart. I agree that it, at, at, in the end, it, despite all the the amazing action and the rivalry between Chris and Ryan that relationship that he had with the girl was the heart of the movie. And it really kind of totally. like, it was, it kind of folded it together perfectly at the end. Um, but I agree. It was, it was, it was as big scale as you wanted. It was a, a classic 
blockbuster popcorn yes. summer action flake. 100%. And, and it was great. It felt like a, almost kind of like a little bit of a throwback. Not, a, I mean, it, sort of in some, in some ways it felt like a little bit of a throwback. Um, and look, also... I also, real quick, I also, you mentioned this, it was witty. It was funnier than I expected. Some of those, those one-liners, I mean, obviously I have to point out because I was dying at this and I forgot about it. And someone pointed out on Twitter last night is when, <laughs> when Chris Evans, it's Lloyd called six Ryan Gosling, a Ken doll. I saw that. Yeah, that, that was that, so meta. That I was, was funny. Cracking up. I, I wonder. So good. I, I'm very. I wonder if that was like added in during the script, knowing right? that, that Ryan was going to be in Barbie. <laughs> maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. But either way, it was. Or like, and he's like, "Oh, I, you look like a Lloyd. How can you tell? Oh, the trash stash. The like, trash it was just stash. Like, the, the, like, yeah, I was like the, the writing. Like, the right. The writing was sharp, and like even like Ryan Gosling did his job. He, I sort of felt like he was just like, okay, he's just Ryan Gosling playing whatever. Like, I, I didn't really feel yeah. like. I could really get too into his character, but Chris Evans, I got to say, I'll re I'll repeat this again. Chris Evans knocked it out of the park. His, even though there's his, his uh, villain is laced in a lot of humor, a lot of sarcasm. I, there was a lot, there was a sinister side to him too. That was very dark. And there were some moments that Chris Evans, I was like, Oh shit. Like he's like yelling, getting crazy. I was like, cause his, yeah. essentially Chris Evans plays a sociopath. He plays an 100%. ex, like, he plays an ex CIA contractor who doesn't like to play by the rules. He'll blow up and kill people. He doesn't care. He, as long as he achieves the mission. And I, I, I got to give Chris Evans so much props because it's just such a turn from him playing Captain America and being the hero. I mean, I mean it was I, Chris Evans really impressed me a lot. He, he, absolutely killed it i think he was the standout for me in this yes. in this film and you know we saw a little bit of his how he can play villains a little bit in knives out right but nothing compared to this but after this i'm like i want him to be a bond villain like i want to see i want to see more as um as chris evans playing a villain because i mean we know he can play the hero and he and he definitely has proved that he has the chops to play a really awesome villain like he he, he knocked out of the park speaking of bond this is actually a great segue and this is we're gonna kind of we're gonna kind of end things on this note Speaking of Bond and, and Netflix, so essentially what this movie was, is I kind of read into this, I read a, a great New York Times article about how long it was in theaters, what Netflix is trying to achieve with this movie, with the Russo brothers and all that. What I, I understand is they are trying to lay the groundwork for a full-blown franchise, more movies, TV spinoffs, all stemming from the gray man. That was Apparently, that was the goal behind this high budget thing. That's why they did it in such a oh God. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's yes. awesome. Yeah. So that's what they're trying to do because they don't really have an IP. Or at least Netflix doesn't. That's very like yeah. that, like in, in sort of the Jason Bourne or the James mm -hmm. Bond type of thing. And they're trying to kind Jack of, Ryan, yeah, exa Jack yeah. Ryan. Exactly. Amazon has that. So Netflix yeah. is trying to carve out their own lane in this, in this genre or subgenre, whatever you want to call it with Ryan Gosling, well, Chris Evans dies. Spoiler alert. There you go. But yeah, but they, they want to carve out more stories in this gray man world. And that's why it was so high budget, et cetera. The thing for me, though, and the, I, the article, the New York Times article I read touched on this really well. Netflix, once again, I feel like they're shooting themselves in the foot by by demanding an audience tune into their service to watch this stuff. They, especially for a movie like The Gray Man, I'm telling you, it's it's a it's a theater movie. It's a big screen movie. Exactly. It's huge. It feels That's what big. I'm right after, and, I'm like, I'm yeah. bummed that it's not in theaters longer. Yeah, like, and it's like you, see this in theaters. You could, people are gonna watch it on TV, but like, yeah, even within the look, I live in an apartment. A lot of people in LA live in apartments. You can't really blast it all that no. loud in an apartment. You got neighbors and shit. You got things to worry about. Like if you live in a house, fine, you can blast it as loud as you want. Maybe you'll enjoy the experience. But I'm telling you, it does not compare to the actual theater experience, which is made for that. 
And really, Netflix, they they got to get with the program. They got to they got to find some kind of reconciliation between having stuff exclusively on their on their platform and having things in, in theaters for a little bit longer. Because yes, it's in theaters. That's fine. But the window needs to be larger. They need to. I, I, there's marketing issues too. Sometimes Netflix wants to market stuff really heavily. Other times, other times they don't. Um, and oh, yeah. if, if, if they want to, and I guess the last thing I'll say is if they want to really pursue this franchise of the Gray Man, and they're going to do more movies off of it, put that stuff in theaters. Like just get with the program and get get with theaters. Partner up with theaters. Theaters are not the enemy. Netflix. I don't know what you guys are doing over here. Like you guys sometimes are like cutting off your nose to spite your face a little bit. It's weird. You know what I mean? So I don't know if they think it's like a, like a this or that, like streaming or theaters. And I know yeah. a lot of times it is, but like for a film like this, like at least give it like a 45 day window or something, not just totally. like a week and a half or whatever it is. And not in select theaters, by the way, I had to go, it was in like playing at like two theaters by my house and I have seven right. theaters by my house. And it's I was very like, limited. okay, well, very, very there was limited. like four times. And I'm like, and then you see the other films that have like 12 showings this had like four showings right um so i mean just expand it a little bit i mean if and they did they did more marketing and you know there maybe it was out for a month and people would go to the theater and then possibly watched at home you know yeah and, and essentially like disney really has this blueprint down where like some some of their big yes. ips go to theaters for like a traditional uh, runtime or, or a traditional window and then they do the spinoffs and the shows, and then they bring you back to their service. They really have that ebb and flow down, I think Disney does. And I think Netflix is trying to catch up and really do that. So we'll see what they do with The Gray Man. Really great movie. If you can catch it in theaters, it. do that. If not, watch it at home. It's it's a it's a blast. It's such it's a good old-fashioned fun so summer fun. flick. Uh, and with that, we will leave you guys. Yeah. And thank you for tuning in with us. Uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on YouTube, we're on iHeart. Stream us, watch us anywhere you can. We're on the website too. Um, again, leave comments of substance. If you do, we will shout them out and respond. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and, and on that note, we'll, we'll take off here and catch you guys next time. See ya.